0: Amen. Amen. Let's give it up for Pastor Jeremy. Don't you love him and his heart? And also, uh, just want to right off the bat, just thank Pastor Dennis for allowing me to be in the pulpit today. Don't you have the most wonderful pastor? Amen. Just such a man of God, and we so appreciate him and love him, and I'm so grateful for our friendship and our partnership and missions that we have together, and thank you so much, uh, Pastor Dennis, for allowing me to be here uh, love your entire team and love your church. Uh, like, like Jeremy was saying, my name is Doug Reed. I head up a ministry called Partnership International. And uh, among other things, I am the teaching pastor at five churches, even though I don't live in all of those communities. Uh, my wife and I recently moved to Virginia, and we're, uh, we're the teaching pastor at that church as well. But I, I, I leverage that. Uh, to help what we do in missions. I also speak in conferences and churches around the country throughout the year, Uh, men's conferences, marriage conferences, leadership conferences, still some youth conferences as well. And then uh, we take all of that influence and we use it for missions. Uh, The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 8, that uh, we should speak for those that can't speak for themselves and we should ensure justice for those that are being crushed. I mean, you know, if God gives you a voice, you need to use that voice for those that don't have a voice, amen? Amen. God gives you influence, you need to use that influence for those that don't have any and to give you an idea, in two thousand and nineteen, we had nineteen missions teams and we did about a half a million dollars in building projects uh, in some of the world 's poorest places so uh, we're pretty serious about that. I was on the road about two hundred days uh, that year i'm referenced that year because obviously 2020 anybody get messed up in 2020 just a little bit uh, uh, just a little bit so I referenced that year because of that, but I, I was on the road two hundred days that year and About 75 of them were overseas doing missions projects, and you guys have been a part of that, and so we're so grateful for that. Uh, Actually, we're supposed to have a team in Kansas City this week, and we had a cancellation, but I had already booked book in Sundays here, and you guys were one of them. I'll be at Evangel next week uh, as well, but uh, again, grateful to be here this morning. Well, everybody ready for the word? Amen. Let's go ahead and welcome our online audience. Thank you guys so much for watching. Let's give it up for them. How many you know this word is for you as well? So, you know, pay attention, give us some emojis, put some pants on, watch watch closely, amen? Uh, (laughs) Well, I want to share with you a word uh, today that I'm calling the miracle of provision. And we're going to look at our mentality towards the blessing of God. It was back uh, in 2018, I had three groups uh, in, in the uh, Apache Nation uh, Indian Reservation. You think of a reservation, it's thousands and thousands of acres. But, but we had three teams on the Apache Nation uh, in the White Mountains of Arizona. And I, I spent a week in a rental car going p- between those teams and finally got to where I had to come home and uh, had a three-hour drive back to Phoenix, but I decided that I would take the long way. There's a route actually in the wintertime where you can go from snow all the way down to desert conditions, and it's just a beautiful drive, and so I was about halfway to Phoenix, and I'd just gotten into the desert portion, still in the mountains, but but starting to get hot. It was about 100 degrees outside, and I looked down, and the uh, gas light on my rental car had been on but I don't know for how long. Uh, I mean, you know, that's a bad moment right there. I, I wasn't anywhere near a gas station, and so, man, I can remember turning the car off when I would go down hills and just doing everything I could possibly do you know, to try to preserve gas, and somehow, by the grace of God, 45 minutes later, I made it to a gas station. Uh, I throw out that illustration because this is really the way our lives are, isn't it? Uh, how many of you are always running out of something? Uh, I, I don't know about you but I am. Uh, I, I don't seem to have enough energy, enough mental stamina, enough emotional bandwidth. A- anybody struggle keeping up with all the relationships that you have in your life? I, I have relationships all over the world and it's hard to keep up with those and And I'm always running out. As much as God has blessed us financially, anybody with me and say, there's never enough, it seems like. You know, you always need more. We are creatures of capacity, and our capacities are not nearly as high as we would like them to be. But I am so grateful today because we serve a God who is not limited in his power or his supply. In fact, if you're watching online or you maybe somebody invited you to church and you, you might not even be sure about this Jesus thing and you don't even know if you're a Christian or not, and I, I get all that and we love you. But, but can I just say one of the greatest benefits of being a Christian is that when you have a need, you are not on your own. We, we serve a God who is liberal in his supply and in the way that he blesses us the bible says in psalm 147 verse 5 great is our majestic and mighty lord abundant are limitless in his strength i like it in the passion translation there is absolutely nothing his power cannot accomplish so while we are with capacity limitations, our God is not. And God's ability to provide for you and to bless you is beyond your wildest imagination. I I am so grateful as I have begun to serve God over the last 30 years or so on the highest level that I, I am so grateful that when God gives me a vision That he doesn't have to run and check with the accountant and say, "Oh my goodness, you know, hold up on that. We got to make sure if we can afford it." How many know that God always has abundance? Amen. In fact, in fact, they paved the streets of heaven with what we think is valuable here. They pave it with gold. God is abundant in His ability to supply for us. And if you're ever going to do anything great for God, you're going to have to get this in your spirit because God doesn't give visions give the provision and then the vision. He usually gives the vision and then he gives the provision. You're going to have to learn to trust God to be your supply. The question really isn't God's ability to bless us. The question is our ability to receive. You need to get this in your spirit today, that God wants to supply for you. In fact, I want you to say this out loud. God has what I need. Come on, say it. And he, and he wants to give it to me. Now, you know, the funny thing is I've, I've done this with many crowds and I had them say that sentence. And, and everybody is always more boisterous on the first part. Because we really don't have an issue with the idea that God has what we need. Our issue really in the depths of our soul is whether or not God wants to give it to us. I, I, I've been really all over the world in a lot of different poor environments. But even in some wealthy areas What I see many times is what I'll call a poverty mentality. And that is this idea that God has what I need, but I mean, I'm not special enough. I mean, them over there, well, I can understand him blessing you, but not me. We get this mentality that somehow God doesn't want to bless our lives, and, and, and I, I come from a family, probably you may as well, where this is a generational thing. In fact, my wife and I both, we come from families that have like a poverty mentality, generationally speaking. It goes back sometimes three, four generations. Now, I don't really like the term generational curse, but the Bible uses this word iniquity. Everybody say iniquity over and over again. Iniquity is really the pattern of thinking or the pattern of sin in a family. Now, now think of it almost like a wind blowing against a tree and it starts to lean in a certain direction after a while. In other words, you might have this thinking inside of you that God is a God of lack, not a God of abundance in your life. And perhaps it even goes back three, four generations. You don't even realize that it's ingrained in you. But here's what's beautiful. The Bible says that iniquity can go back three, four generations, but righteousness can extend to a 1,000. I I believe, and and I declare this over you today, that that it is broken with you today. Amen? Uh, How many of you believe that you can break the iniquity and the patterns of sin in your family? Amen? It doesn't have to continue to be that way. Uh, uh, What I love about our God is that he wants to supply for us. My favorite verse on this is probably Philippians 4.19. It says, God will liberally supply, feel to the full, every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Just before Jesus uh, prayed the Lord's Prayer, he said this, he said, your father knows the things you need before you ask him. So our God isn't just a supplier, he actually anticipates what we need. I wrote my book around Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, works that he prepared for you long ago. Now, in olden days, when a king would come into town, they would prepare the road in front of the king. They want to make sure there's no potholes, everything is beautiful and good. But what the Bible does, it turns it around, and it isn't the the, the servants going ahead of the king. It's the king going ahead of the servants to make sure that we have everything we need for the mission that he has placed in our life. So God not only has the ability to provide for you, but he has your future covered. He already knows what you need because he is already there. Now, these are such beautiful principles, but it can be tough to apply them to your everyday life. It was about six years ago that my wife and I, we were in Los Angeles. I was speaking at a college event, and and I was actually pastoring at the time. And the Lord was providing for us in a beautiful way, and things were going well, but I, I uh, began to sense in my spirit that God was calling me back on the road full time I was forty eight at the time, and i I had several uh, pastors tell me, man, you know at your age you shouldn 't do that you know i mean you 're in a good, safe place, you know you could stay there and but we knew that God was doing something in our hearts and we uh, we, we kind of turned that week in Los Angeles into a prayer retreat and And the night before, the moment I'm about to tell you about, we had submitted our hearts to God and and we knew that we were going to go back, we were going to resign the church, we were going to go on the road full-time again, and the next day, I was sitting in a restaurant, and I, I was just kind of working through the future, and I I wish I had saved the napkin, but on the back of a napkin, God gave me five areas of ministry to focus on, and, and, and they were things I had never done before, things I had not really heard of, and and and, and the Lord began to just rewrite everything we were about to do. He gave, gave me like five seeds of calling He placed in my life, and, and, and I was excited at first, but then the... Lack of faith inside of me started to add it up, and I started to go, man, that one right there is going to be expensive, and that one right there, man, I, I, I've never even heard of that. And I got to the partner church one, the thing I just told you about, with me being the teaching pastor at five churches, and I thought I laughed out loud. I just said, God, no, I don't, I've never even heard of anybody doing that. I don't think that's going to happen. And and basically, I added it all up, and I said, man, this is going to be expensive. And I no more than had that thought, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and He simply said this He said, Son, it takes what it takes. And you know how God can speak something to you, and maybe in front of you it's just a sentence, but in that moment in that restaurant, it was like God, just a nuclear bomb went off in my spirit, and I knew what God was saying, is that anything we face, everything we need, that he would liberally supply, that he had already figured it all out, and that it took what it took, and it didn't scare him, amen? See, the problem with most of us is that we focus on, the resource instead of the source. You got to get this in your heart today. God is your source and everything else is just a resource. I went in to buy some lumber the other day. And I mean, you know, you got to bring your credit card today when you buy lumber, right? And that lumber that I bought, it, it, it comes from trees, and those trees are a resource, but God is the creator of the heaven and the earth. I mean, you know that God ultimately is the source. Uh, somebody, somebody earlier handed me a check for me being here today, and I, I really appreciate I haven't opened it. I don't even know what it is, but, but I, I really appreciate it. That's great. We love that, and, and thank you very much, and we'll use it for ministry But I've got news for you today, you're not my source, God is my source, amen? See, the problem with most people is they take resources and they turn them into sources. Your job is just a resource, but God is your source. And you might say, well, Pastor Doug, what's the issue with that? You see, when you turn a resource into a source, you unwittingly create an idol. And that idol will be fickle. (laughs) You will constantly be in flux. And even more than that, according to Deuteronomy 11, every time we decide that we're going to depend on an idol rather than God, God has promised that there will be lack. In fact, Deuteronomy 11 says when you worship an idol, literally God will shut up the heavens and there will be no more rain. I want to show you what we've been talking about in two stories in the Bible. Now provision miracles are all throughout the scripture and and I could pick literally dozens of them today. It's like God is saying, I want you to know that you need me on your best day, you are desperately in need of me. We've only got time for two. I want to show you one from the Old Testament and then one from the New Testament. The first one is in 1 Kings 17 and it's the story of of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. Now, Zarephath, I want you to think of it as the Mecca of Baal worship. Baal was a false idol of sensuality, and you've heard of the Bible Belt. This was like the Baal Belt. This is, this is where idol worship 101 was taking place in their culture, and because God has promised this, and, and it's no surprise, there was a severe drought. There was famine. There was lack everywhere. But then God speaks to a prophet, a man named Elijah, and he tells him to go right into the middle of the lack. First 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 4. He tells Elijah, he says, drink from a brook. Go and sit by this brook and drink from it. It's called the Careth brook. And eat, and ravens, everybody say ravens, will bring food to you, for God has commanded that. Now, now ravens are carnivorous birds they are dirty birds they are opportunistic creatures they're usually eating on something that somebody else killed i i hate the bird i hate the football team i don't i don't know why you would ever name your football team ravens they're a terrible bird and i'm pre- apparently never going to preach in boston or whatever where where are the ravens i don't know somewhere out out that way <laughs> So what does God do? God literally changes the course of nature and he causes a creature to go against its, its natural instincts and bless the prophet anyway. Can I declare over you today that I believe if you obey God, that God will give you favor with those that are not even interested in blessing you. God will make your enemies your footstool. He'll prepare a table for you in the midst of your enemies. The Bible says that the ravens, they feed the prophet every single morning and every single night. And and he drinks from the brook. But then in verse 7, the Bible says that the brook dries up. Now, I don't know if you've ever been there before, but I have. Because I, I love it when I'm just being consistently blessed by God in some way. But if you've served God long enough, you know that eventually brooks dry up, uh, that, that, that all blessing, if you will, and get this in your spirit, all favor, if you will, is for a season. And when God is about to do a new thing, often he will supply in a new way. God allows the brook to dry up because he is about to move Elijah towards one of the greatest miracles and greatest rescue stories in all of the Bible. This lack of supply was actually God setting Elijah up for an entire new season of his blessing. Can I tell you, especially with what we've been through in this last couple of seasons, that maybe your setback is actually a setup? We've seen this in our ministry. Uh, In 2020, we had, I I don't know, what was it, 13 teams, something like that, cancel on us in our missions ministry that is funded by teams. And then in 2021, we, we maybe have three or four, but it's not, you know, still people aren't flying like they used to or whatever. And we have watched God literally restructure our entire missions ministry, financially speaking, in a way that we would have never thought of before. Your, your setback can actually be a setup for God to provide for you in a new way, in a new season. The brook was only a resource, and resources dry up. God was wanting to show Elijah that he was his supply, that he was his source. And then the Lord says to Elijah, verse 8, that he wants him to go to the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon, and he's instructed a widow there to feed him. And so the prophet goes and he, and he shows up to Zarephath and he finds a widow gathering some sticks and she's about to start a fire. He immediately asks her for some water and some bread. And her response is so telling. Verse 12. He said, she said, I swear by the Lord your God, not my God, your God, that I don't have even a single piece of bread in the house. I've only got a handful of flour left in a little jar and some cooking oil in the bottom of a jug. I was gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal that I and my son might die, that we would die. Now, now that is a poverty mentality if I have ever heard it. Uh, This woman, she doesn't speak in any level of faith because she doesn't have any. She speaks directly from her lack, and she is poor. I I am not sure that any of us really understand. Maybe there are some here that you grew up in a different way than I did, and maybe you do understand real poverty. This lady is poor. I mean, she is poor, poor. She goes into KFC and licks other people's fingers. I mean, she is poor. (laughs) Sometimes that joke lands, sometimes it doesn't. I give you some advice today when you have lack you should talk back don't ever speak from your lack speak to your lack amen how many of you know that lack is not in charge of our lives amen that our God is in charge of our lives so you should have godly confession in this area Elijah is a prophet and he knows the condition of the lady. And so why would he ask her something that she clearly cannot afford to give? Well, the the answer to that question actually has the power to transform your life. And here it is. See, often when God wants to do something for you, he is going to ask for something from you. And, And often that will actually be in the very area of your need. What does she need? She needs water and she needs food. What does the prophet ask for? He asks for water and food. Often when you have a lack in your life, God wants to change the situation, but he will ask for a response of faith right in the middle of that lack. Now, often when I go into churches as a guest speaker, I don't very often speak on finances and and I'm not gonna hit it very much here. But I didn't make this up. It's in the Bible. In fact, it's all throughout Scripture. Proverbs 11.25, those who refresh others, well, they themselves will be refreshed. The Bible says it is the generous that prosper. Luke 6.38, Given, it will be given unto you. Pressed down, running together, shaking over, running over, literally. Now, we love that whole press down, running over stuff, but what is the very first word in the text that we should give? Malachi 3, in the whole tithe into the storehouse. And what will God do? He will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot even begin to contain. I've heard people many times over the years, they say, well, Pastor Doug, I just cannot afford to do that. I cannot afford to give. I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford to obey God in that level. And my response is always the same. It isn't that God wants something from you. He actually wants something for you. You actually can't afford not to. God can do more with 90% than you will ever do with 100%. And God can provide for you in ways you cannot even begin to imagine, but it requires a response of faith. In this particular story, there is a provision miracle. Elijah told her, he said, if you do this, you will always have enough. Your, Your containers will always be full. And the Bible says that not only did she do it, but that God made that come true. Leviticus chapter 19 verses 9 and 10, they advise us that we should not plow all the way to the edge of the field, but instead we should leave some for the poor and for the foreigner. It's a missions giving verse all the way back in the Old Testament. I think the problem with so many of us is that we always plow all the way to the edge and we use up every single resource without ever giving any and then we wonder why we're always in a place of lack next story I want you to see, and we're almost there, is in the New Testament. It's in John chapter 2, and it's the, the very first miracle in the ministry of Jesus. And, and, and what is it? Is it a great healing? Is it a resurrection? No, it's actually just an embarrassing problem at a wedding. <laughs> the Bible tells us that Jesus and his disciples are invited to a wedding, and at that wedding, they run out of wine. Now, I, I I pastored for seven years and i 'm honestly i 'm not really built for pastoring like i 'm built for what i 'm doing today and, and I, I just i, I, I don 't know when I pastored they they made me do weddings and and i 'll take a funeral over a wedding any day i mean I just just like you got a dead body in front of you, you can preach at a funeral, you know, but a wedding man, you know and Jesus is at this wedding and and, and I think he 's probably just trying to hang out, just do his thing but but now this miracle is needed. And I love that the very first miracle in the ministry of Jesus was not a life-saving act. It wasn't that he raised somebody from the dead. No, it was completely unnecessary. It was lavish. It was liberal. How I many you know that God is not afraid to liberally bless you? I think it was back in 2018 again that I had a group of about 45 that came to the orphanage in Jamaica that your church has actually helped to sponsor. When so when uh, there was one particular guy getting off the plane, and he, he handed me $6,000 in cash. Now, that's a good moment, amen? Because, for one, we were about $3,500 over budget, so I needed it on the building project we were doing. And there was 2500 left, and I told him that. And he said, well, Pastor Doug, he said, could I take that $2,500 and do something that it's probably unnecessary I don't even know if you'll let me do it but he said I bet that all of these 50 kids and the workers here that they've never really been out to a fancy restaurant and like had just like a gourmet meal and I thought about all the projects that we needed to do with that $2,500 and then I felt the Lord say no do it and so we rented a coach bus a luxury coach bus we we didn't have enough money for the team to go we could only send them And I can remember us having this big line where we high-fived all the kids as they were walking out in their little suits and dresses, and they went off for this beautiful dinner, and I still get emails about it today. And it was probably my favorite missions moment of the last three years. And it was completely unnecessary, it was completely liberal, and it was completely lavish. I I love that our God thinks this way. I mean, you know that no problem is too big or too small for Jesus. If it's important to you, it's important to him. And small problems are actually training moments for you to begin to trust God. Jesus begins his ministry with a miracle of provision. So here's the key question. What have you run out of? When when you have lack, God has your back. What have you run out of? I wonder what it was like, because in, in this miracle as we're about to see, Mary goes and she talks to Jesus. Now, I, I wonder what it was like for Mary to raise the Son of God. I mean, it must have been a pretty incredible thing. I mean, if you want to know the will of God, you just go to Jesus because he's God. You know, you just ask him, you know, what's what's up with this, you know. and I wonder if she ran out of milk. She's like, yo, Jesus, I ran out of milk. You know, doesn't want to go to the store. Jesus zaps the milk, you know. I found this picture. Can you put that picture up? I found this picture on the internet. This is uh Pastor Dennis will fix he'll fix all my theology next week, but this is like baby Jesus, he doesn't want to take a bath and so he's walking on the water. I don't know. I don't know if that works in the rebellious Jesus, but <laughs> what 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 does Mary do? Mary simply tells Jesus about the problem. This is so profound. The Bible says in verse 3, she goes to him and she says they have no more wine. She doesn't tell him what to do. She doesn't elaborate. She just gives raw information. I don't know about you, but my habit is typically to over talk and to under trust. Uh, I, I, I typically pray about it more than I talk about it, or I talk about it more than I pray about it. And you'll find that, that a, a life of faith, a, the recipe for that, never includes a bunch of worry-filled words. In fact, what most of us do is we talk it to death, and then we finally come to God, and we will ask him for an answer. But you can't worry and worship at the same time. You can't worry and be a person of faith at the same time. It's time that we begin to trust God. It's actually her brevity that speaks to her amount of faith. Yeah, you ever take a Polaroid picture? You know what I'm talking about, the Polaroids, right? I, I don't have one with me, but, but what do we typically do? We, we, we want to shake it. We want to blow on it, right? Can, can I just give you some clues? That is not helping at all. The only thing the picture needs is to be exposed to the light. That's it. And you're not helping the process, but, but it is our human nature that we just kind of want to tell God, not just ask him what to do, what to do we kind of just want to tell him what to do. Look at what Mary does next. And this is so basic again, but powerful. The Bible says in verse 5, she tells the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Now, jobs are on the line. Uh, families, and respect in the community. I mean, that's on the line. The servants are scrambling. You can only imagine the solutions they are coming up with. What does Mary say? Throw out all of that and just do what he tells you to do. See, See, miracle opportunities are often disguised as problems. Maybe you have something in your life that you have run out of ideas. Well, haven't you had enough good ideas? Isn't it time for a God idea? Amen. Miracles actually require an unsolvable problem. Now, I love this story because the Bible says that nearby there were six stone jars. Now they may have looked something like this. Maybe they didn't, but there were six of them. And the Bible says that Jesus tells the servants that they are to fill up the jars. Now, each one holds 30 gallons, and they fill them all the way up to the brim. Everybody say, to the brim. And the Bible says that the servants, they did what God wanted them to do. I I, I personally believe that if they had only filled the jars halfway, that they wouldn't have gotten any wine. (laughs) I, I believe that they had to obey God all of the way to be able to have the blessing of God in their life. Now, I, I, I have only preached here, I don't know, three or four times. And I, I speak every weekend. And I probably have, I don't know, last count, I probably have 600 sermons in my iPad. And I felt so strongly that this was the word that I was to share with you this morning. And I believe that if I have a rhema, a prophetic word for you this morning, it is this. It is that there are many of us that are sitting under the sound of my voice today, both here and online, that you have not been obeying God all the way to the brim. If there is a word for 2021 that keeps resounding in my spirit, it's that we should add some aggression to our obedience. We should obey God ferociously and all the way to the brim. We, we have seen just in the last five years, we have seen God do so many things in the area of provision in our lives and take us places that we don't deserve to be at. And I, I got to be honest with you, I don't work harder than any of you. I, I, I don't really, uh, I'm certainly not more talented than you guys. I don't have more connections, but, I, but I, there is one thing I do really well, and that is when God tells me to do something, I will do it, and I will do it without question. I obey God all the way to the brim. In fact, if I have a spiritual gift, it's jumping off the cliff and figuring it out on the way down. And my wife would say amen because I can't tell you how many times I've committed to projects and I have no idea where it's going to come from. But when God tells you to do something, how many of you know you've got to do it? There's actually a story in the Old Testament. This, this, this story has plenty, but I want to share one more. There's actually a story in the Old Testament where Elijah's successor, a guy named Elisha, is, well, he's at the end of his life. And, and he, in fact, this is the very last thing he does before he dies. And, and he's about to die. He's the prophet of the land. And, and the Bible says that there's a wicked king. His name is Jehoash. And, and, and Jehoash's father was wicked as well. And, and because of their wickedness, there's, a, there's an army called the Aramites that have been attacking Israel for quite some time. And, and in fact, they are down to just a handful of soldiers. And Israel is about to be captured. And Jehoash doesn't know what else to do. He's not really a God-fearing man, but he's heard about this prophet Elisha. And so he goes and he gets him and he says, hey, what am I supposed to do? And, and Elisha tells Jehoash, he says, there's a bow right there and there's some arrows. I want you to do this. I want you to pick up the bow and I want you to shoot an arrow out into the field. You can read this later. And, and while the arrow's in the air, I want you to yell out, this is the arrow of the Lord's victory. I mean, you know, God often asks us to do things that don't make sense. They didn't need water. They needed wine. He doesn't need to shoot an arrow in a field. He needs to shoot an arrow at an army, right? But God doesn't say that. He says, shoot it in the field, and while it's in the air, yell out, this is the arrow of the Lord's victory. Now, this is what I picture. I picture that the king, he doesn't have much aggression in his obedience. He just shoots it out there, and he's like, this is the arrow of the Lord's victory, you know, kind of thing. He's not super aggressive. And the reason why I know that is because the prophet isn't happy with it. So the prophet says, you know, that's not good enough. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go grab a bunch of arrows, and I want you to hit them on the ground. And the king, now in his defense, the prophet doesn't tell him how hard to hit him, and he doesn't tell him how many times to hit him. He just says, hit him on the ground. You can read it later. And so the king goes and he gets the arrows. And this is what I picture. I picture that he doesn't hit it very hard. In fact, when he's done, the prophet says to the king, well, you only hit the ground two or three times. Again, he didn't tell him how many times to hit it. Now, if you had hit it five or six times, you would have had full victory. But because you only hit it two or three times, well, you're only going to have partial victory. We say, well, Pastor Doug, it's not even fair. I mean, he didn't tell him how hard. He didn't tell him how many. Well, listen, often God will just tell you to do something, and he is asking that you do it with vigor, with excitement, with some aggression. Amen? Obey God aggressively. I think it's got to come to the place where we jump, and then in the air we say, God, how high? Amen? I got to tell you today that when God tells you to do something, amen, amen? You should do it all the way, amen. Maybe the picture for 2021 ought to be a bunch of broken arrows, right? It ought to. The the third one didn't break. There we go. (laughs) I I believe that God is calling us to add some aggression to our obedience today. The Bible says that the servants, they filled it all the way to the brim. And they were shocked because the master of the banquet tasted the wine and he he didn't realize that that what had happened. He thought it was going to be water, but he tasted it and and it's wine. And in verse ten, he says to the to the to the master of the of the banquet, he sa- he says, listen, man. Most people they they serve they serve the cheap stuff at the end when everybody you know is drunk. But I mean, you are, you are, you brought out the goods. You understand what I'm saying? And he said it was the best wine. Now. You might say, Well, Pastor Doug, what does this mean for me? Well, I have a very, very quick outline. I want to only give you what I call three miracle provision life applications for you to take home. The first one is this the first one is that when you run out, you should run to Jesus. We run to who? Haven't you had enough good ideas? Isn't it time? for a god idea god god always has provision for the vision amen so when you run out you got to run to what you got to run to jesus number two i told you it was quick whatever jesus tells you to do do it do it do it quick do it to the full simple full quick obedience never stop obeying god partial obedience is still disobedience delayed obedience is still disobedience whatever god tells you to do do it all the way to the brim amen and then finally number 3 give god your ordinary so he can turn it into the extraordinary now i am not a i'm not a not a drinker uh maybe you are i mean god bless you but but uh but I've heard, I've heard this about wine, <laughs> like from movies and stuff. <laughs> I've heard that the best wine takes time. In fact, I've had people tell me that like, like, you know, some of the best wine can take decades to develop. And, and, and one of the simplest formulas on earth is water. One of the most complicated chemical formulas is wine, especially the best wine. So what happened in this story? Jesus did in a moment what it would take decades to accomplish. He made the best wine in an instant. What do I have to say to you today? I believe, and this maybe isn't for everybody, but I hope it is. I believe that if you will obey God all the way to the brim, if you will decide, these 10 that were called in the ministry, I don't know which ones of you guys are, but these 10, listen, if you will obey God all the way to the full, he will do for you in a moment what it would take other people decades to accomplish. I believe in my own life, I don't come from a ministry family, I was the first Christian in my family, nobody in my family had ever graduated from college, nobody in my family had ever even flown on a plane. And I've been all over the world and God has done things for me that I don't even understand. God's done things for me that it usually takes generational obedience to accomplish. You understand what I'm saying? But he's done it for me in one lifetime. I believe that God wants to place an acceleration on his blessing in our lives if we obey him all the way to the full. You You know what? You know what I hate? And maybe you're like me. I hate Empty jars. This jar, I think, yep. Yeah, well, it's got a little trash in it. Sorry to whoever vacuums, but this jar is empty. And and if you're like me, you want all of your jars to be full, right? Because what does a full jar mean? I mean, it means I've got resource, I've got blessing, I've got the ability to do something. But I got news for you: when God calls a person, uh, He always calls them to empty jars. When I was sitting in that restaurant that day and I wrote out those five areas of ministry, I wish I had five jars so I could show you all five. Can I just tell you all five were empty? Everything I wrote on that napkin, I did not have the resources to accomplish. And you know what I've watched God do? I've watched God over the years. I've watched him fill every single jar. Why? Because God always gives provision to the vision, amen? And he is the miracle a provision God, come on! I want you to stand to your feet all throughout the house today. Aren't you glad you came to church? Amen. Amen. So glad that I'm here with you. How many of you would just say, "You know, I know every head up, every eye open." I I, I know Pastor Dennis isn't here, but this is the way that I handle it when I because I, I I'm in different churches every week, and. Whenever I go in and I speak at a church for that weekend, that pastor is my pastor. So I, I, I the only reason why I'm here is because I'm under his spiritual authority, and I honor him, and he's honored me back, and that's why I can speak today. So technically, uh, Crown Point this Sunday is my church, and, and I'm a part of your family. How many of you know we're a family? Amen? So I, I just think in families, like like we don't. I don't know, I, I, don't, I don't down guys that do this. I do it sometimes, but, but I no heads bowed, no eyes closed. We're family, let's just obey God. How, how, how many of you would just say, like Pastor Doug, in the area of obedience, I need to up my game this year. Anybody out there? Anybody out there that say, God has put some vision on my heart and I don't have the provision yet, but I wanna trust him on a higher level. Anybody out there? Listen, if you're ever going to do anything great, ever going to do anything great, you're going to have to realize when God calls you, the jar is probably empty. But he is the God of provision. Amen. He's your source. He's your source. Maybe you're here today and you say, I I have been trusting too much in resources. And I really need to give my heart fresh and new to the source. Come on, let me pray over you today. Come on, lift your hands and receive this. Father, in Jesus' name, come on, you just pray this under your breath. First off, Lord, we we just repent for our lack of obedience in this area, maybe in many areas. And, and, And we say today that we want a higher level of trust in you. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I pray a blessing over your people. Even those that are watching online, Lord, we, we, we lift our hands. We receive it today. And I pray that the God of provision would be God in their lives in the mighty name of Jesus. While every head's bowed, every eye's closed. If, if you're here today and you just say, Pastor Doug, I, 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 need, to, I need to make sure that I'm right with God. You know, you know, the ultimate miracle provision is Jesus dying on the cross for your sins. I need to make sure that I'm right with God. If that's you... Listen, I want you to make sure that you, if you're online, you know, give us some, some word there. Let us know that you prayed this prayer. If you're here live, make sure that you approach one of the staff or whatever the system is here. But I want to pray a salvation prayer this morning. Come on, let's pray it out loud. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. You did that for me. So today I give you my heart fresh and new in Jesus' name. Come on, give God a hand clap! Isn't He a good God today? Amen. Listen, uh, just want to mention real quick, uh, Jeannie and I. In fact, I fly back this afternoon, uh, uh, so we're we're only here for this one service. And if you haven't had a chance to pick up my new book, uh, Divine Intentions, we we're just seeing God do amazing things with this. I wrote it to a twenty-year-old version of me, somebody that uh, was saved and called, but they were tied in knots with their insecurities and. It's a book on restoration. Uh, again, almost daily we receive emails on it. and We'd love to get it into your life. If you can't afford one, see us. We'd love to give you one. If you're one of those called kids that Jeremy talked about, come to me and I'll give you a free copy. Also, uh, if you like my preaching, my mom is the president of my fan club and she won't let anybody else join. But if you want to take some home with you, there's some series back there on the table. They each have about four hours of teaching. This one called The Blessed Life and another one here called The Best Life would be a great follow-up to today. Thanks for letting me be here, guys. God bless you.